our state straight. Thank you very much. Did he just say that? Yes, he did. Well, I don't know why I came here tonight. I got the feeling that something ain't right. No, it ain't. I'm so scared in case I fall off my chair. And I'm wondering how I'll get down the stairs. Clowns to the left of me, jokers to the right. Here I am, stuck in the middle. Clowns of you. and jokers, beware. Yes, I'm stuck in the from Pacifica Radio in Los Angeles, this is The Bradcast, as heard on KPFK 90.7 FM in L.A., up in Oregon on 91.7 FM KYAQ on the Central Coast at 106.7 FM Queso in Cottage Grove, out in Pennsylvania, yes, they're voting today on 93 FM WLRI in Lancaster. Out in Hawaii on 88.5 FM KAKU, the voice of Maui. Over in Ohio on WGRN 94.1 FM in Columbus. Up in Minneapolis, St. Paul on AM 950 KTNF, the progressive voice of Minnesota. And coast to coast and around the world on KPFK.org. Streaming on the Progressive Voices Channel, Netroots Radio, Indie Media Weekly, FYI Nation, Radio or Not, Radio Free Brooklyn, GDPR Nashville, Detour Talk in East Tennessee, and yes, five days a week on Radio Sputnik, blanketing the earth. This is the Bradcast. I'm Brad Friedman, your friendly investigative blogger, journalist, troublemaker, muckraker, and all-around swell fellow, says me... From bradblog.com, thank you for joining us for what will no doubt be another action-packed, thrilling adventure. It is, after all, Election Day in parts of the world. Uh, Coming up, a a longtime Republican operative and senior campaign official for Ronald Reagan and Gerald Ford for their uh, Republican presidential campaigns. Uh, He will join us to explain what the hell is going on. With Republicans passing these uh, these anti-LGBT laws around the country right now, suddenly saving the world, making it safe to go to the bathroom, as they would as they would no doubt try to tell you, uh, he will uh, be here to hopefully give us some insight into what these people are thinking and much more in regard to his once grand old party. But as I said, as we go to air today, folks are going to the polls in five states in the Northeast for today's presidential primary contests. Voters are hoping to make their voices heard today in Maryland, in Connecticut, Rhode Island, Delaware, and perhaps perhaps most notably, given the number of delegates available there in Pennsylvania today. And of course, as predicted on this very program Time and time again and uh, recently and once again, uh, I'm starting to receive uh, reports of problems with voting machines being down in parts of Pennsylvania where the majority of the Keystone State's voters are so despised by officials, by elected officials and election officials, that uh, they are forced to vote on 100% unverifiable touchscreens across much, but not all, of the state. Just the majority of it. 
And uh, we, of course, we've talked about these touchscreen machines many times. Many of the states are getting rid of them. As a matter of fact, Maryland, which was one of the first in the nation to move to 100% unverifiable touchscreen voting systems, theirs made by Diebold back, uh, back in 2002, is for the first time going to paper ballots for today's primary there. We will see how that works out. Hope they have enough on hand. Hope they're near a uh, Kinko's. If they run out, that's all you got to do. Xerox them. No, you don't need to tell people to go away for hours and come back. In any event, last time I had mentioned uh, Pennsylvania and the uh, 100% unverifiable touchscreens that most of the voters there are forced to vote on. Uh, I heard from the good folks at our, our affiliate station, WLRI in Lancaster, Pennsylvania, with a complaint. Uh, since voters there in Lancaster are allowed to vote on paper ballots if they choose. And that that is correct. Those voters can vote on paper ballots in Lancaster. Uh, unfortunately, it's not uh, the entire uh, state where that happens. As I say, the majority has to cast their vote on 100 percent unverifiable touchscreen voting machines in Pennsylvania on which it is impossible to know when those results come in from Tuesday's primary from Pennsylvania. It will be impossible to know if any vote cast on any of those uh, touchscreen voting systems in, in Pennsylvania, if any of them have ever, never mind today, but have ever been recorded as per the voters' intent. It is impossible to know. So it's not the whole state. It's just most of the state. Undoubtedly, enough votes to, uh, to to make the difference in uh, between the winners and the losers on both the Republican and the Democratic side. Happily, the folks served by our affiliate WLRI in both Lancaster and Chester counties, I think they call it the Lanchester area, uh, they are allowed to vote on verifiable hand-marked paper ballots even if uh, much of the state, uh, the majority of the voters can't. Those voters can. Now, of course, uh, in most places around the state and around the country, even if you are allowed to vote on a hand-marked paper ballot, you need to know those paper ballots are never actually tabulated by human beings in most cases. They are tallied by optical scan computers made by these same companies who make the touchscreens, the D-Bolds, the ESNSs. Uh, Sequoia, Dominion, and so forth. Uh, and they are tallied by these optical scan computers, these paper ballots. They're tallied either correctly or incorrectly. The fact is, nobody knows. You can't know. No one can know until those paper ballots are hand-counted by human beings. So, for example, uh, some years ago in New York, thousands, thousands of votes were missed, were simply just not counted. Thousands of ballots by the uh, by the new optical scan voting machines, uh, voting tabulators that were installed up in the Bronx in New York City. I think that was back in 2010. It took years before the New York Daily News finally confirmed that, yes, in fact, thousands of votes were simply went uncounted by those brand new optical scan computers made by ESNS up there in uh, in New York, in the Bronx. Uh, and something that I've you know talked about many times. Often we don't know about the problems that happen in elections until days, weeks, months, sometimes even years later. That was an example. Now, with all of the problems in last week's New York primary elections, we had more than 100,000 Democratic voter registrations uh, perhaps inappropriately purged in Brooklyn. That's currently being investigated by the state attorney general and New York City's uh, controller. 
The head of Brooklyn's uh, uh, election board has been suspended for reportedly improperly removing voters from the rolls in that purge. There are also problems with optical scan machines. Remember those? Failing to work at all. Polling places failing to open at all at the beginning of the day. Reports of voter registrations inappropriately changed from Democratic to Independent so that voters could not vote on a uh, on a normal ballot in the Democrats closed primary up there because they've got uh, you have to register as a Democrat or a Republican months in advance last October in order to vote in the uh, in the April primary this year. Because of the closed primary system they have there. Well, if you changed your registration from independent to Democrat in order to be able to vote, but then you go up, you turn out to vote and there are no uh, and and you're told, oh, no, you're an independent. You can't vote. Well, what do you do? You cast a provisional ballot and you hope and you pray that somebody bothers to count it if they go back and find that, yes, in fact, you did register as a Democrat. Now, a lawsuit has been filed by uh, in New York by a group named Election Justice USA on behalf of about 200 voters who say that their registrations were improperly changed or purged. That same group has now posted a petition at change.org asking the state for a hand count of 10 percent of the city's paper ballots. Happily in New York, they do get to vote on hand-marked paper ballots. But again, those ballots are, uh, are, are almost all of them counted by, uh, by optical scan computers, either correctly or incorrectly. Who knows? So this petition calls uh, for us to actually find out, or at least try to find out, by counting a sample of the ballots, 10% of the hand-marked paper ballots uh, cast across the state. And by way of a side note here, let me say that there are I think there are more lawsuits and election challenges and uh, official investigations this year than I ever remember at this time in a presidential election process. It's unbelievable Uh, from Arizona to Illinois to Missouri to North uh, North Carolina to New York and beyond. I'm trying to cover them all and and uh, follow them all and cover them all here as time allows. I need more than one hour a day to do so, unfortunately. I'm doing my best. Uh, a hand count demanded, by, for example, demand, a hand count demanded by candidates in, in DuPage County, Illinois, recently found that three different write-in candidates told that they had lost on election night in Illinois. Turns out, guess what? They actually won. They actually won their races. Two Democrats, uh, I'm sorry, two Republicans, one Democrat. They actually won. But we, of course, we didn't know until there was a hand count, which the candidates themselves had to sue, had to go to court, uh, in some cases had to pay for, pay attorneys uh, to get this hand count. Haven't even gotten to cover that. Uh, And that is one of many uh, battles that are going on by the public to try to oversee their own elections and have their ballots counted and counted accurately in a way that they can know that it has been counted accurately. So thank you, by the way, to those folks uh, who who have stopped by bradblog.com slash donate to help us keep doing what we are doing here, or at least keep doing what we are trying to do here, or at least try to keep doing what we are trying to do here. Thank you. Um, anyway, this petition at change.org uh, posted by Election Justice USA asking for a partial hand count 
Um, I'll, I'll link to, uh, to that petition today when I post this show at bradblog.com. Uh, it includes a short video at the top of the page It's a, a, to, to explain why this is important, why hand counting is important. It's a clip taken from a documentary film that was made some years ago by a filmmaker named Lulu Friesdat. I think that's how you say her name. The film is called Hollerback, Not Voting in an American Town. It aired on, uh, on Link TV. For a while, it, uh, it premiered at the Sunscreen Film Festival, where it won the Best Documentary back in uh, 2008. And I'm in the film. But it's an excellent film anyway. I strongly recommend it. I'm also featured in this clip that they used to go along with this petition calling for a partial hand count in New York City. Uh, here's part of that clip. You'll hear my voice uh, along with the uh, voice of Freddie Oakley and some others. Freddie Oakley, she was the registrar county clerk up in Yolo County, California, until very recently she retired. Uh, she was one of the best election officials in the country. She was one who often told me, uh, you know, if voters aren't able to see the process, then they shouldn't trust the process. So here's some of that uh, clip that is posted with that uh, with that petition, and then I'll I'll give you some specifics on the petition, what they are calling for, uh, what makes sense, what doesn't. Uh, some of that clip discussing the need for hand counted paper ballots and citizen oversight of our own public elections. Whenever I talk to Brad Friedman or <laughs> people like Matt Bishop, who are very suspicious of elections. Mm -hmm. They always say, oh, I trust what's going on in Yolo County. Now, why is that? Um, we do everything in public. The best security is to have a voting system that's 100% transparent from beginning to middle to end. We invite our voters or anybody else in to watch what's going on and ask questions. And we are, you know, also, from the very beginning, we're extremely suspicious that recording votes on electronic media and nothing else was an invitation to disaster. In optical scan, you have a piece of paper where you fill in the oval, uh, similar to your SAT test. There's still concerns about optical scan systems. We've seen them hacked down in Leon County, Florida. And we've seen errors with optical scan systems. In the 2006 primary up in Pottawatomie County, Iowa, you flipped the results of like nine elections. The electronic machines made by ESNS had miscounted every race on the ballot. The way ours runs, it takes an actual picture of every record. We do uh, visually check every ballot to verify that it is being tabulated correctly. We also do a pretty exhaustive audit. We count probably 10% of our ballots by hand. The 10% sample doesn't give you much confidence. It doesn't give me much confidence. It may give someone that's really hot with statistics confidence. We want every single vote counted and counted accurately the first time. If what people really trust are the hand counts, why don't we just do the hand counts in the first place? Sounds fine by me. And uh, most of the countries around the world do exactly that. In New Hampshire, it is in 45% of our towns. I'm Dennis Makovarich. We're in the Wilton Town Hall building. It's a hand count town, paper ballots. There'd be four people sitting opposite each other. I'm one of them. 
I would look at the bell and I would read it. This person is watching me read it, verifying that that's what I said. Then the person over here has a tally sheet and puts a check mark. The other person sitting there is observing that that person put the check mark in the right place. So there's four people four making people sure ballot. that each vote is counted correctly. Yes. Do you have a hard time getting those people? No. People want to do it. There are problems with hand-counted elections just as there are problems with electronically counted elections. What's ultimately important is that whichever process you do, it be open, it be observable, and people have faith in the results that you get. So that was a clip. Uh, you heard my voice uh, throughout uh, a lot of it there uh, from the documentary film Hollerback, Hollerback, Not Voting in an American Town. Um, and I will put a link uh, to that documentary information on it. It uh, it was posted, as I said, uh, by this group, Election Justice USA, along with their along with their petition calling on uh, the uh, uh the, the city of New York at first and then I think the state of New York to do a 10 percent hand count of paper ballots that were cast in the New York primary back on uh, what April 19 just last week feels like forever ago in any event um, they uh, and they're using hashtag New York NY hand count hashtag NY hand count in any event uh, this petition uh, gives a couple of reasons uh, why they are calling for uh, uh, this this hand count from the uh, New York Attorney General and the New York City Comptroller's Office. Uh, they say that in the Democratic race, there is an unusually large discrepancy between the original exit poll results reported by CNN and ABC News and almost a 16% difference between the candidates in the final reported results. Now, I have some concerns about those uh, exit polls that were reported by CNN. Other people who were looking at the raw data coming in throughout the day said that CNN got it wrong when they reported uh, that the race was much closer than it ended up reportedly being. Um, so, I, you know, exit polls are an indication of potential problems, potential fraud, potential, potential error. They are not proof of fraud. They are not proof of errors. For a lot of Bernie Sanders uh, supporters out there saying they were robbed, it was fraud, they were, the election was stolen from them. Uh, maybe, but we do not know that. We do not know that. We cannot know that until we actually count the paper ballots. And that's what I was calling for in, in that documentary film. That's what I've been calling for on the show. That's what I've been calling for on Bradblog.com. And that's what this petition calls for. It goes on to say that because uh, faulty ballot scanners have, have been identified as a major problem, irregularities with absentee ballots, affidavits, and provisional ballots, we're requesting a 10% hand count of all ballots. This recount needs to follow a strict hand count protocol under the guidance of a statistical audit expert and be open to scrutiny by the public and the media. If the results of the hand count are different than the originally reported vote count, we request a full statewide hand count of all ballots from this primary. If the results of the statewide hand count are different from the original reported vote count, the results of the hand count need to be entered as the official election results. That's uh, among the things that this uh, that this petition is calling for. And uh, yeah, you know, when I hear people talking about hand counts, they think it takes a long time. Well, it doesn't. Actually, if you do it on election night at each precinct with the public overseeing the entire thing, 
if you're going to count them all at once in one place, uh, you know, all of the ballots in the county, then, yes, that might take a, a, a while. But I think it's worth it. And, uh, you know, I'm not crazy about these uh, partial, these audits, these in this case, a 10 percent audit, because uh, those two can be gamed. Just ask the folks up there in Ohio, in Cuyahoga County, Ohio, back in 2004, when the Green and Libertarian presidential candidates asked for a recount. And the top election officials in Cuyahoga County, that's Cleveland, the largest county in the state of Ohio, were found guilty of having gamed that partial 3% hand count. They gamed it. They counted, they pre-counted what were supposed to be random precincts. They pre-counted them the night before. They were found guilty and they were given the maximum sentence in jail for having done so. Um... So, you know, yes, uh, these can be gamed when you do a partial count. A lot harder to gain a full uh, game, a full count. The petition goes on to note that our elections have deteriorated. A recent study showed that U.S. elections rank worst among Western democracy. And that is true. So there are all kinds of reasons uh, 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 to do this. This is not me shouting that there was a fraud, that Bernie was had his election stolen. People who know me and know my work know that this is not about any one candidate or any one party for me. I have gone to bat for some abhorrent candidates, some terrible candidates, uh, some terrible, you know, right wing, crazy Tea Party Republicans. I have gone to bat for them when they have been screwed by the electoral system, when their voters, I should say, have been screwed by the electoral system and when their voters can't know if they won or lost. That is what is important. And that's what that petition is uh, all about. Um, OK, uh, do I have time? Bef- Let me do this real quick, if I can, before the break. I know we're running late. Going to be like that all day today. Um A federal judge on Monday has upheld the sweeping Republican-backed changes to election rules, including a voter ID provision that civil rights groups say unfairly targets African-Americans and other minorities. The ruling in North Carolina could have a serious uh, political repercussions in a state that is closely contested in presidential elections. Uh, You'll recall that uh, Barack Obama barely won the state in 2008. It went to Mitt Romney in 2012. And uh, when Republicans swept to power there, they waited for the uh, U.S. Supreme Court to gut the Voting Rights Act. And then they passed the word the uh, the nation's worst voter suppression law. The worst Jim Crow law, uh, not just photo ID restrictions, but shortening early voting hours, doing away with same day registration, uh, doing away with uh, early registration for 16 and 17 year olds and so forth. They just absolutely gutted the electoral system in what had otherwise been a fairly progressive North Carolina. Their laws Uh, had really been uh, among the best in the country for elections. I know it's in the South, sort of, down there in North Carolina, but it was very progressive until the Republicans took over and basically uh, went about trying to keep certain voters from being able to cast their votes. This is is bad news uh, for, for voting rights advocates. A bit of good news, the uh, the North Carolina uh, legislature softened the photo ID voting restriction 
very, very recently allowing people, even if they don't have the type of photo ID now required to vote, they can still cast a vote uh, and signing an affidavit saying, uh, well, the, I'm, the reason I don't have an ID is because I'm poor or I couldn't get one. I tried. Uh, so they can cast a vote. But that law will can and has and will be used against voters to make it more difficult to vote in North Carolina, along with all of these other provisions. Now, um, in the ruling, uh, the, the judge said that there is, uh, is admitted there is a significant shameful past discrimination in North Carolina. In our, uh, but in our recent history, uh, certainly in the last quarter century, there is little official discrimination to consider, said the judge. We're going to talk about that after the break because uh, uh, that judge is terribly, terribly wrong in his 485-page ruling on this. The, uh, the opponents uh, of this law have vowed uh, to appeal it. It's going to probably be appealed up to, the, uh, up to the Fourth Circuit. They've got to move quickly if they're going to take action before this November's election. And this November's election has a lot riding on it, not just in the presidential race, but specifically, uh, in this case, in North Carolina. We're going to take a quick break and come back to talk about that and much more down in Carolina. I'm Brad Friedman, and this is your Bradcast. Hey, this is Brad. The 2016 election season is now at full throttle. Here at the Bradcast and bradblog.com, we fight for election integrity all year round like no other media outlet in the nation. But we need your support to keep doing so now more than ever. Please stop by bradblog.com slash donate to make a monthly pledge of any amount you like to help keep us going or even just a one time only contribution. While everyone else covers the horse race, we also keep our eyes on the track conditions those horses are running on. Because voting systems, access to the polls, and citizen oversight of election results can make all the difference. Please help us continue to fight independently for your democracy by taking about 60 seconds right now to stop by bradblog.com donate today. And thanks. Nothing could be finer than to be in Carolina in the morning. Sing it, Al. No one could be sweeter than my sweetie when I meet her in the morning. Yep. Welcome back to the Bradcast. Brad Friedman from bradblog.com with you here. Of course, uh, voting is not the only problem that uh, people are now facing, unfortunately, in North Carolina, as I spoke about before the break. The backlash continues against LGBT discrimination bills being passed around the country, specifically uh, right now in North Carolina and Mississippi. Uh, last week, Tennessee decided to not pass a discriminatory bill against LGBT because, it, uh, well, they, they took a close look at it and they said, hey, this is going to potentially cost us more than a billion dollars in federal education money. In the meantime, in North Carolina, 
uh, where uh, the Republicans who run that state, the legislature and the uh, and the governor signed a, a bill a few weeks back that basically says uh, cities around the state cannot make their own bills against discrimination that would ban discrimination against LGBT. Uh, it's an incredibly obnoxious bill, and uh, it seems that North Carolina may now be paying quite a price for that. We'll see how big that price is. Uh, a lot of uh, we, we've talked on this program, a lot of folks of uh, Bruce Springsteen, uh, Pearl Jam, Boston, they have canceled their concerts there. A lot of larger corporations like PayPal and Deutsche Bank have said they are reconsidering their plan to add hundreds of jobs to uh, to North Carolina. And now Mississippi is beginning to face uh, a lot of that same uh, a lot of that same backlash. Uh, comedian Tracy Morgan just announced he was scrapping his plans for a performance in Mississippi. On Friday, President Obama, speaking in London, said that uh, said that North Carolina's law that limits anti-discrimination protection for lesbian, gay and transgender people should be overturned. But of course, that brings us back to the first problem. How do you overturn a, a bill like this? How do you throw out the legislators who pass the bill if you have trouble accessing the voting booth? See how all of these work together? Uh, PPP um, has a new poll out in North Carolina finding there is just minimal support from voters in the state for this uh, horrible discrimination bill, HB2, and that voters think its passage has hurt the state in several ways. It has. Oh, one I forgot uh, to mention, uh, NASCAR. NASCAR has now uh, stated that they have a problem with North Carolina's discrimination law. So there's that. Will that make a difference amongst red state voters? Just 36 percent of voters in the state now support HB2 to 45 percent who are opposed to it. Independent voters are against it, uh, 33 to 46. Democrats, 20 to 63. Um and are and they're more unified in their opposition to the bill than Republicans are naturally. But even Republicans only favor it by a bare majority, 56 percent. Voters think the bill is having a bad effect on both the state's economy and its overall reputation. Fifty four percent think it's had a negative impact on North Carolina's economy. Only 11 think it has a 11 percent think it's had a positive impact. On that front, even GOP voters by a 17-point margin grant that it's having a more negative than positive effect on the state economically. Because of those things, says PPP, just uh, 32% of the voters in the state think HB2 is actually helping North Carolina as compared to 53% who think it is hurting the state. And it is also hurting the state's governor, Pat McCrory, uh, who signed this bill into law. He is now trailing... Roy Cooper, that's the uh, state's Democratic attorney general who said he would not defend this law. McCrory is now trailing Roy Cooper, according to this poll, for the first time in three months in PPP polling. Uh, Cooper is now has the advantage 43% to 42% for McCrory. Uh, there's a libertarian in the race who also has 4%. Previously, McCrory had led in North Carolina polls for PPP in February and in March. But uh, his deficit among Demo Democrats has grown now amidst the furor over HB2. 
And it has been a furor. Uh, on, what was it, uh, Monday, there were demonstrations outside the Capitol building in rally both for and against the bill. The act, the law, I should say, because it's it's not a bill anymore, really. It's it's a law. It's been signed into law by Pat McCrory, the uh, the state's Republican governor. Uh, and the new uh, candidate here, the Republican candidate for attorney general, State Senator Buck Newton. He's the GOP nominee for attorney general. He was talking. He showed up at this rally in favor of this bill, saying it must be defended. Of course, uh, as Republicans have, have tried to say, this is not about, you know, it's not discriminatory. This is about keeping people safe. When they go to the bathroom from uh, stalkers or, or predators or sexual predators or something in in the bathroom, some ridiculous claim, which was laid bare when uh, Buck Newton spoke to the crowd and, and made this comment at the end of his remarks. Tell your friends and family who had to work today what this is all about and how hard we must fight to keep our state straight. Thank you very much. So there he just came out and said it. Keep our state straight. Incredible. So the backlash is underway, it seems, from the public. But when it comes to the Republican Party in a bunch of states across the South, specifically, they are uh, still moving forward with plans to pass these uh, these, frankly, no other way to describe them other than pro-discrimination laws. Fred Carger, the president of Rights Equal Rights, uh, writing over at Huffington Post last week, noted that as of April 15th, more than 160 leading CEOs and business leaders have now signed on to an open letter circulated by the Human Rights Campaign and Equality North Carolina calling for the repeal of HB2. The New York Times called North Carolina a, quote, pioneer in bigotry. Congratulations, North Carolina. Uh, and they used to be fairly progressive, actually, for the South. Uh, governors and mayors across the nation are banning travel to the state. Film studios are threatening to pull or stop production. And lots of big stars and bands have canceled concerts and appearances there, notes Fred Carger. Fred is or uh, was formerly a Republican political consultant. He is still a gay rights activist. And he was a 2012 candidate for the Republican presidential nomination. He worked on nine presidential campaigns. He served as a senior consultant to the campaigns of Presidents Ronald Reagan and Gerald Ford. I remember them. Uh, and after retiring as a California campaign consultant, he went on uh, to work as an activist on uh, many gay rights causes, including his successful investigation and expose of the Mormon Church and the National Organization for Marriages campaign to use California's Prop 8 to repeal our state's same-sex marriage law some years ago. His unsuccessful run for the GOP nomination in 2012 made him the first openly gay presidential candidate from a major political party in American history, and it is the uh, it is it was the subject of the documentary film Fred. Fred Carger remains an outspoken advocate for LGBT rights, and we'd like to consider him now a friend of this program as his participation in our debate coverage this season has been enlightening and instrumental to our coverage. Hey, welcome back to the broadcast, Fred Carger. Thanks, Brad. Thanks for that great introduction. Uh, always great to have you here. Uh, and you'll be happy to know, I think, that we will not be talking, at least not specifically, about any GOP debates today. 
though the issue of the insane GOP nomination process may still come up. We will see. We will see. The plot second. Yes, it does. All right. Uh, tell me, uh, Fred, wh- what, in your opinion, are all of these pro-discrimination bills about uh, in all of these uh, in all of these southern states? And and is it right to call them pro-discrimination bills a- as you see it, Fred? Where where did they come from? Why are we seeing this uh, spate of discriminatory bills now? I think it's because they're sore losers. Um, it's not even been a year since the Supreme Court uh, allowed marriage equality to be the law of the land in all 50 states. So we're seeing tens of thousands of very happy same-sex couples getting married, and there's a backlash because there are a lot of unhappy people with that. Um, And we're seeing it now in these RIFRA bills that are springing up uh, at the federal government. There's a bill right now um, in Congress introduced by by two mm-hmm. prominent Mormons, Raul Labrador of Idaho and uh, Mike Lee, who's a state senator of Utah, the House sponsor and the Senate sponsor, respectively. So we're seeing it now at all the state levels, and there's a tremendous backlash. And you saw from my column, I led a lot of boycotts during a Prop 8 campaign mm-hmm. eight years ago and a couple since. And, yeah, and I want to get 10 people to turn out or anything. Now they're getting uh, huge corporation and celebrity support, and it's, it's Great to see. Well, and I want to talk specifically about boycotts in a second, but just to understand these bills, and and particularly from the Republican perspective that you can offer, there's really nothing more to this than uh, these people just acting out at this point. They feel that uh, marriage equality is now the law of the land, therefore we must have, we must in some way hate on gay people let's uh make it so that they can't use uh the bathroom that they identify with uh sexually i mean that that's all there is to this well that's part of it but uh you know the meat of many of these and we saw it in indiana first with mike pence Mm -hmm. who thought he would be a hero and had a great signing ceremony and everything was so proud of what he did and we saw what happened there the world descended upon him and he he ended up uh trying to save face and come up with a milder bill but no, it's basically to deny um, the ability for, for North Carolina, for city, to um, pass a law that prohibits discrimination in the workplace and housing. Because in 39 states still, if you're LGB or T, you can be fired uh, from your job for being gay. You can get married on Saturday and be fired on Monday or um, in housing. And I... Uh, I I wear my grandfather's ring. His name was Alfred Foreman. He was the founder of the, um, my great-grandfather, actually, of the Jewish um, Commission and uh, Committee in Chicago because a uh, hundred years ago when they started the Jewish Federation, uh, the Jewish community coming to this country were facing very similar things, uh, hate crimes, uh, mm-hmm. discrimination in housing, discrimination in the workplace, getting fired. So I like to think a hundred years later I'm following in his footsteps and, and millions of other Americans doing the same thing to prevent these kind of bills from happening because they're, they're wrong. It's not what this country is about. But they're, uh, they're allowing uh, people, as you note, Fred Carter, to discriminate uh, against the LGBT community, and yet uh, the way they're selling this 
has to do with transgender people using bathrooms of the you know of the sex that they identify with rather than the one on their birth certificate. They seem to be going out and saying this is about you know keeping our children safe, keeping our daughters safe. Surely they know they're full of it, right? They know that there are exactly zero examples of of people dressing up as the opposite sex to sneak into the bathroom to assault children. Right. I mean, if, in fact, this is about their ability to continue to discriminate, why is it that they have to go out and and lie? Let me put this another way. Uh, are, are the people who are selling this bill, the politicians who are selling this and selling these things as, you know, bathroom bills, uh, do they know that they are lying to their own voters? Uh, I can't blame the voters for buying into this to some extent because uh, they're being lied to. But are, are the people who are using the li- these lies, do they know it? Do these Republicans know it? Is this a, a, a tactic simply uh, to continue hanging on to power to pass these bills? Oh, Brad, my old adage is all politics is selfish. Well, on Tip O'Neill's mm-hmm. claim, and I agree with it. I, I firmly believe it, and it's you know, in a good and bad way, but that's what we're seeing. We're seeing a lot of governors, members of their state legislature, thinking that this will sell well when they're facing re-election or moving up for another post. Um, and so they, it's a, you know, certainly the transgender community, they think, is an easy target, and mm-hmm. I'm sure they've done a tremendous amount of polling that shows that people uh, are offended by transgender americans or use of bathrooms and so that's got to stop that's mm-hmm. a kind of the next easy target that they see and and that's what they've done they did it in california interestingly enough this group you mentioned national organization for marriage i've got investigated in five states mm-hmm. well they came to battle here even though they're supposedly just a marriage group when the transgender bathroom bill passed in california it was signed by governor brown so they went uh, they spent a lot of money to put a referendum on the ballot. Fortunately, they fell short, and it didn't qualify, but oh, that so probably sad. would have passed had it qualified. So that, it's an you know, easy easy target, and uh, it's very unfortunate that that's a part of it, but you're seeing also these discriminate, discriminatory bills allowing discrimination, allowing LGBT Americans to be fired or to be denied housing based on religious uh, principles, which is BS. And so that's why we're fighting, and that's why we have so many wonderful allies now joining us. Let's talk about some of those allies, Fred. You wrote at, uh, at Huffington Post in an article titled, Boycotts Work Against Anti-LGBT Legislation, that in fact these, uh, these type of actions, these boycotts, actually ultimately make a difference, and you have some experience uh, with that in your fight against Proposition 8 out here in California. But we've been talking a lot Uh, On this program uh, of late about various forms of protest, how effective they are. Last week we talked about the the Democracy Spring protests going on in D.C. where you had basically thousands of people arrested at the nation's capital. And yet the corporate media hardly covered it at all. And, you know, so you had people getting arrested, Ben and Jerry, for crying out loud, getting arrested, <laughs> and it still didn't get coverage. And we also spoke last week to Doug Hughes. Remember him, the, the postal service carrier who about a year ago flew a homemade gyrocopter into the grounds of the U.S. Capitol to protest money in politics. Uh, the media largely focused on the national security issues there and uh, ignored what he was protesting about. And and he was last week sentenced to four months in jail for that. So when you write about Huff, uh, about boycotts at HuffPo, uh, arguing that they work, 
do they work? Is that one way that uh, people can, as you see it, make a difference? Because I'm concerned that all of these other tactics that used to work, the protests, the marches, don't seem to have the same effect anymore. Well, it depends. Um, after Prop 8 was passed in California almost eight years ago, mm-hmm. you saw an uprising like few we've seen in this country. And that was a shocker because there was very little grassroots activities during the Prop 8 campaign. But once we lost, uh, people took to the streets that night and then for weeks afterwards. And that's what really turned the tide in this. And that's why we only lost two elections on on same-sex marriage after that in Maine and North Carolina. Mm -hmm. And then the next four that were on the ballot in November 2012, we raised more money than our opponents, and we um, were able to pass marriage equality in four states. So it, it takes a combination of things, as we saw in the African-American civil rights movement in this country. It takes protests. It takes boycotts. It, it uh, takes civil disobedience. And that's what we're seeing in the LGBT movement. And I was quoted, because uh, I was very active in the Prop 8 campaign, mm-hmm. on the opposition the day after we lost and saying, I've, I've been in politics for, at that point, about 35 years. I've never made this statement before, but I'm glad we lost last night Mm. and it held true because it it awakened a sleeping giant we've been very apathetic and and the reason i took that tack brad in 2008 was to go after these big donors to prop eight because it had never been done before and having worked in politics and campaigns and done a lot of opposition i'm going well when do you change your strategy up after your fifth loss or your tenth loss Mm. but we had 28 losses in a row before we shifted the strategy um, at the ballot box, so to be, to be going clear. after our opponents and That's making them squirm and making it, as I said in the HuffPost column last week, socially unacceptable to give massive amounts of money to take away equality. And, and that's what this country stands for, and that's what um, we were able to, to do. And I think we're seeing it with the Supreme Court, and we're, we're seeing it as, sta- as states like uh, Georgia, Governor Deal, a Republican there, had mm-hmm. a veto a bill. Mike yeah. Pence uh, had to change his position. We're seeing governors stand up. Uh, Jan Brewer mm-hmm. in Arizona. There's a big business backlash. And, and don't forget, in Prop 8, I think there are about three or four companies. Uh, one was AT&T, Microsoft, Apple that, that actually gave money to No on 8. Um, now we're seeing 160 biggest companies in the country taking a stand. What, what do you say to those, uh, Fred, uh, just to play devil's advocate here, what do you say to those people who say that boycotts of businesses really only end up hurting the employees of those businesses? After all, you you know, you boycott a big company uh, or a big funder uh, of these sorts of campaigns. They may lose money, but it's, it's their workers who are going to end up uh, ultimately paying the price. And in this case, you know, the, the good citizens of North Carolina, uh, the, the loss of business there and uh, the damage that's going to do to the economy and to jobs. What, what's your response to that, Fred? They may well lose the NBA All-Star Game next year. It looks like that's mm-hmm. going to happen unless they repeal this. Civil rights movements, are, are there are people that uh, suffer as a result of it. But to get that kind of change, to stop all the teenage suicide and drug abuse and homelessness and all the terrible things that happen from all the demeaning that has taken place and all the guilt and shame for, for those of us who are, are gay, lesbian, bisexual, or transgender during our lives and early in our mm-hmm. formative years, that that's a price that we have to pay and that business is going somewhere else i mean i hate to see it i've been somewhat involved in the boycott of the 
Sultan of Brunei's hotel, the Beverly Hills Hotel, and, and the Bel Air Hotel, and several others around the world. But and I have friends who work at those hotels, and I, and I feel terrible. Um, you know, they have deep-pocketed ownership. They're able to keep their employees, I'm told. But, but until they stop stoning people to death in, uh, under Sharia law because you happen to be gay in parts of the world, we have to take a stand. We have to stand up for principles. And, yes, there will be consequences. People will be hurt. Income will be down. But um, that, that will change as soon as they start doing the right thing. Fred, are these are these efforts uh, now that we've we, we I mentioned a few here at the top, PayPal, Deutsche Bank, and and so forth, and of course all of these uh, entertainers, uh, Cirque du Soleil has uh, you know announced they will uh, cancel their North Carolina shows. Um, are, are these efforts uh, organized at this point uh, in in North Carolina and Mississippi and so forth, or are these uh, simply businesses acting on their own accord, uh, artists acting on their own accord? Uh, is is this happening organically at this point, or is there uh, you and your cabal uh, putting them all together, Fred? It's a little of each, but they, nothing is organic, uh, truly. So it takes some leadership, and I. I opened my column by uh, mm-hmm. kudos to Chad Griffin, who is someone I work with and have great regard for, who's the, uh, I think now been in there about four years at the HRC. And that's what these organizations need, is a political operative like him who knows how the game is played, and he's the best. And, and he's really helped that effort. And, and this has been going on for a long time. And there are groups like Out Leadership. Uh, Todd Sears started, mm-hmm. which is corporate, the finance part of uh, corporate America coming together to support LGBT equality. And they actually, I wasn't sure about this at first, why they're coming into a lot of these, why that outpouring of uh, opposition to the Indiana legislation from all these corporations, particularly those, some of the big pharmaceutical companies mm-hmm. in Arizona, you wouldn't right. think would be natural allies, but they actually know that there's a problem in recruiting top people if they can't really bring in LGBT employees mm. to these corporations or these uh, big banks or, or finance companies. And, and if they're in a state, if they're located in a state or they have divisions in, in certain states that have these restrictions, it hurts their uh, bottom line because they can't get the top employees. So there is that selfishness from business, and, um, but I think much more than that, it's their moral responsibility. And also, don't forget, a lot of, you know, look at... Uh, Dick Cheney, for instance, I mean, there is someone and his wife uh, who would never have supported marriage equality, let alone LGBT rights, if they didn't have a lesbian daughter, Mary, mm-hmm, who's mm-hmm. married with two kids. And they're fully embracing of that. And, I, and my guess in corporate America, as in politics and every other um, walk of life in this country, uh, people are now free to come out um, in many areas to their families and friends and co-workers and that's what's changing a lot of this too so that's the organic part but you're seeing a lot of uh, muscle strong arm and muscling to get these companies and in some cases entertainers the nba mm-hmm. i'm sure you know they're mail and, and calls and, and well one of the reasons coming in strong one of the reasons i asked fred about uh, the organization behind the effort is because there has been some criticism of of you know some of these companies 
uh, and and musicians, artists, and so forth who are who are boycotting uh, in in North Carolina and Mississippi, and of course back in Indiana and so forth, uh, because they haven't used the same tactics to protest. Uh, some of these very same states for other issues like uh, voting rights and abortion access and so forth. North Carolina leads the the nation at this point uh, in voter suppression with their massive voter suppression bill they passed uh, a couple of years ago. Uh, why do we see why don't we see the same sort of tactics uh, used on those other issues? Why is that as far as you can tell, Fred? There are a lot of issues that companies disagree with. They certainly, the big ones, have lobbyists in these states to, to generally do it a little more quietly. But as far as taking a stand on social issues or voting issues, mm-hmm. voting rights issues, things like that, corporate America generally tends to stay neutral, and celebrities tend to stay neutral, just uh, like they did a mere eight years ago, as I cited an example in Prop 8, or the other 28 um, marriage equality laws that were on the ballot before then, because it was a very hot issue. And that's why people were standing up on the other side quite proudly. And, and we decided to go after them and boycott their businesses and embarrass them publicly so when they'd go out to a cocktail party, they wouldn't be bragging about the $683,000 they gave to take away marriage equality. They might be embarrassed about it, might have people question them on it. And, and, and that's what we need to do. And, um, and I'm so glad that so many corporations and celebrities and Everyday people are, are now seeing the light and helping us in our effort. I've got just a minute or two left. I'm um, speaking with uh, Fred Carger, a former uh, 2012 presidential candidate and LGBT activist, former Republican political consultant. Uh, Fred, if these legislators, uh, looking at what's going on, for example, in North Carolina, if they realize, if, or if they, at least they believe, that they are able to make more in campaign funds uh, by playing the victim of these, you know, these attacks by these uh, these liberal groups, these liberal performers and and so forth. Uh, and, and even, you know, they, they can call what the, the corporations are doing. Uh, they're just you know, politically correct corporations. We're standing up for your rights. Uh, if they can make more money doing that than the state loses, uh, you know, or at least they pay no price at the at the ballot box. What, what incentive do they really have to reverse course here? I mean, even when it hurts their states, it does not seem to hurt them in many cases. I don't understand how North Carolina Governor Pat McCrory. Uh, you know, can still stand by that hate, hateful bill. He's he's not a dumb guy. He knows what he's doing here. Why is it that he feels safe enough to do that? I'm sure they're spending a lot of money on polling right now and to see what it's like at home. He's facing re-election in, in November. Yeah. So back to my old adage that all politics is selfish. Well, the attorney general, who won't even take the, you know, defend the case, who is a strong opponent of that uh uh, bill that passed. You're it's talking about the, the attorney general in, uh, North, in, Carolina in North Carolina, right? Is going to be the Democrat nominee. So, you know, you've got that situation in play. And and to those two individuals, my guess is that their election as governor or re-election becomes tantamount. That this issue is secondary. And as soon as McCory figures out that this is a bad issue for him, he will lead the effort to undo this bill. 
Well, that, of course, uh, presumes that people can actually vote in the state of North <laughs> Carolina this November. And, and that's a, a, still an open question, unfortunately, given the, uh, the voter suppression that's going on there. But boycotts work, says Fred Carger. <laughs> uh, check yeah. out his report at Huffington Post. Boycotts work against anti-LGBT legislation. Uh, Fred Carger, formerly a Republican political consultant. Uh, and uh, by the way, are you going, Fred? Are, are you going to go to the uh, Republican convention in, in Cleveland this July? I've been to 11 of them. I'm certainly not going to miss this one. Wow. Uh, you may be uh, the broadcast correspondent from the ground in <laughs> Cleveland, uh, Fred. So uh, as uh, Brian Williams recently said, bring a gas mask. I think you <laughs> you may need one. Fre- uh, Fred Carger, uh, thank you so much, my friend. Uh, we will talk to you soon. Of course, that is Fred Carger, Alfred Foreman's great-grandson, uh, and uh, he should be proud of him. Thanks, Fred. We'll talk to you again soon. Thanks, Brad. All right. Bye. We're going to take a quick break, and we're back with more Bradcast right after this. I'm Brad Friedman. Stay tuned. <laughs> Welcome back to the broadcast. You can always see the the sun, day or night. That was that was Prince. And as it turns out, uh, Prince had no will when he died last week. Uh, so there are now uh, his his sister is asking a court to appoint an executor to the to the estate right away. Uh, but Desi Doyen, you found out something interesting about Prince in the few seconds that we have left here that uh, that I hadn't known. Well, actually, that that no nobody knew. No, about it was Prince. a very well kept secret. Prince donated solar panels, rooftop solar panels, in Oakland for a nonprofit organization called Green for All, which works to train disadvantaged youth in the Oakland area to install solar panels. And he assisted in making those solar panels happen. And is that was that Van Jones's organization? Yes. the one out. In in Oakland before he went to the White House and that was one on of CNN. the first nonprofits that Van Jones started. That's how he became friends with Prince. Which yeah, exactly, which explains why Van Jones was talking so much about Prince, I guess, and was so moved by his uh, by his death, as we saw in uh, the, the He reports. did a lot of secret donations that did a lot of incredible work. Prince. Prince. All right. Good to know. Uh, good to know he was a champion uh, even for your cause, Desi Doyen, <laughs> freeing the world of fossil fuels. Uh, and uh, the sun does shine uh, day and night in that world. All right, uh, Desi Doyen, my thanks to you, our producer, to our booking goddess, Cynthia Cohn, to Fred Carger, my guest today, and, of course, to all of you for spending a portion of your day or night with me and us. It is greatly appreciated. If you missed any portion of today's program or any other, you can download it at bradblog.com. I'll post the uh, the link to that uh, New York hand count petition I mentioned at the top of the show and more there for you, as ever. Uh, you can uh, find me and follow me on the Twitters at the Brad Blog. 
Use hashtag Bradcast, and you can send me email. I'm Bradcast at bradblog.com. Okay, results and more from five primary states on our next thrilling episode of the Bradcast. Until then, I'm Brad Friedman. Good luck, world. Hey, we-